0: oh hi hi hello hello you it's casement's leftovers the parasocial socialist podcast begging to be your friend you're joined as always with me glenn my co-host helen and our new co-host heather heather hi
1: hi how are you speak up I'm speaking up. Am I quiet?
0: Oh, you need to hold your mic up. Uh, your mic. Okay,
1: okay. I'm going to look like an influencer, just holding up my mic, being like,
2: "Okay, so influential."
0: Um, Heather, who are you?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> who the fuck are you? Where you been, bitch?
1: <laughs> um, whenever someone asks that, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Cancer. I'm 26. So I'm blah blah blah. Are you a Cancer? Yeah, I'm a cancer. I didn't okay, we're ending about... this
0: podcast now.
1: Oh, no no kidding. I had like a bloody dream about Libras last night. And I, yeah, it's a whole thing. So it's got a, a network of Libras around me. Um, well, that must be that's... painful.
0: Is Tom a Libra?
1: Tom's a Libra. My sister's a Libra. My dad's a Libra. My two best buds, Nick and Beth, are Libras. I, I'm completely cornered.
0: Let's just, so. let, let's just stop doing a, um, a political podcast for the moment and actually talk about our star signs. So you're a Cancer. <laughs> okay. I'm a Capricorn. Everybody's just like, of course he's a Capricorn. And Helen, you are a, what, a Sagittarius? Or no, you're a water sign, are you?
2: Yeah, I'm a Pisces, which oh, yeah. does oh, actually energy. suit me. That, yeah, it, it suits me in pretty much every way. But I don't know anything about any of the other star signs that aren't mine. Like, I only know things about my own star sign. I don't...
1: Mine is pretty offensive. Mine is basically, it basically says you're like emotionally closeted. And that you're a yeah. crab because you've got a hard exterior, and you're like snip, snip, get away from yeah. me! i have got emotional problems. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh Really rude. And yeah, all of
0: this has been proven by science, so <laughs> we know that this is to be true. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I like I, my mother was always really, really into star signs, so she would read, like, she would read us our star signs growing up. Mm. Um, with with always an air of dread, as in, like, oh god, that doesn't sound <laughs> good. That doesn't sound good at all um so and then obviously i went through what most um early naughty's teens went through if you were gay which was to become a teen witch for a summer mm-hmm. so i spent a lot of time learning um the witchy ways and um, one of them was was a uh, star sign so i am um, it's like rattling around my head. I've got like some. I know like certain things about certain star signs, and it's mm. still like it's like a hangover from from those heady days.
2: Were you only a witch for a summer? I thought I thought it was longer.
0: no. It's probably about two years. I'd say. Oh, okay. Enough for 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 me to spend an, a significant amount of money on stuff that um I cannot find. Thank God, but like I bought an athame, which is a dagger, a ceremonial dagger, um, mm-hmm. uh, made out of bog oak, um, and I think it was like sixty quid. I remember that I saved up for a while for that one.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be popular. <laughs> uh, I wanted people to know that I had my own ceremonial athame. Um, was
1: which... I? I really, really actively enjoy that where i went wrong in going kind of like becoming popular is just not buying a bog knife yeah
0: but that would have been yeah. Oh, yeah, what was yeah. secure
2: it yeah 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 lovely <laughs>
0: yeah uh, be right. be effeminate have a bog knife tell a lot mm-hmm. of people that you're a witch and that you can see into the future um <laughs> that you can read people's ores all of this is like top notch top shovel top top shelf Devil. top shelf um personality traits that you want to be like the most the coolest kid in school um, <laughs> But well, you know what? People would secretly come to me and be just like, Can you can you read my future, please? They would be very into it. Like can people were all very like har har, and then when they'd have me alone, they'd be just like, What do you what do you see? <laughs> but you get really good at this is why like, I don't believe in anything anymore, is because you subconsciously, even though you think that you're doing it, you subconsciously cold read people. And you let them really? read themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you subconsciously uh, cold read people and then you let them like read so, themselves, you so you take stuff like kind of this. You're just like, things. okay, so there's a lot of dr- so I can tell that the, in your past there's an awful lot of stress, and then people go, oh, my god, <laughs> that's true, and then you say specifically <laughs> around your your childhood, and I and I can see a lot of stuff being put on you from a very young age, and like everybody has this. Mm. so they would say yes but i wouldn't feel like i was trying to fake them out i would feel like i have actually like i would just let my mind go blank and then say whatever came to mind so obviously i was like reading the 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 kind of like observations that i would have had of that person pre- previous you know what i mean <laughs>
2: um,
0: but people would cry and stuff like that people were real into God. it
1: yeah I'm, 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 I am noticing, I thought that the so so where I'm based at the moment the, the witch movement is quite big, I've been invited to like white witch parties and stuff and I thought it was just a phenomenon for where, where I'm based mm. uh, but it, it, I'd noticed recently on Netflix there's a new fairies and witches programme that's like sexing it all up and it's obviously oh. been a global movement in the last couple of years that everyone's just like witches and fairies, this is, this is my identifying feature So, so yeah. there was
2: that thing where those witches hex the moon uh, last year Oh that my God. was like the first time I heard about, I remember it was like on Twitter and there was like, like, I feel like it was probably a joke. Uh, I couldn't tell. It was like impossible to tell. It was one of those like Tumblr type of phenomenons where you're like, I can't tell if there's real people or not. But they, these like young witches hex the moon and then these older witches were like, everyone watch out. These young witches have gone crazy and hex the moon. So
0: what was the hex to do with the moon? Like, make it...
2: Um, I don't it, know, it wasn't, it wasn't very specific I can't remember Like it, They were just like, oh, like obviously when you're a young witch In training, like you you learn about How you like can't hex the moon or do any of this mad shit But these girls have just gone crazy, they've hexed the moon And now like we're all going to be in trouble It was like a warning for all of us
0: <laughs> Oh my god, that is scary, I don't like yeah. it um, <laughs> Have you ever hexed the moon, Heather?
1: <laughs> I mean Oh no, moon... you weren't huh? Go on well, I was just going to say, I mean, it was a, no, no, I haven't. I was going to be like, well, you know the way you don't see the moon in the daytime? Guess who that was? And then I was like, well, you do technically see the moon in the daytime. So I didn't he- hex it very well, did I?
0: Yeah. No. Okay. So today um, we are talking just exclusively about star signs. Today <laughs> we're talking about the, um, the, other star, the other star sign that isn't talked about, the diaspora. Um,
2: <laughs> the unknown Everybody.
0: You guys are both a member of the diaspora you're both you're both you're both immigrants like see this is the thing the diaspora like you know it can include like fucking like people who were descended from irish people which you know like who isn't uh involved like irish people have got their fingers in an awful lot of pies for want of a better expression um so like it's not that ridiculous that like you know that irish people would draw on those types of connections for influence around the world but the irish diaspora that we're going to be talking about today is exclusively people who have immigrated so like people who are who were born in ireland or raised in ireland and then like moved away to a different country now sometimes white people like to like refer to themselves as expats if they're moving to another country does that happen in england and in germany
1: how do you mean? Like you know, when English people leave England, they refer to themselves as expats.
0: No, as in like when you. I mean, uh, if you if you have you ever met an Irish person who referred to himself as an expat in England?
1: Oh, um, you know, it's really strange. People keep on telling me there's a thriving Irish community within Bristol, and I cannot find them. <laughs> um, I will say my sister is 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 living in this like kind of like collective of of Irish people that now have like forever uh, settled in Australia, and everyone is an expat there. You know, mm. everyone is an Irish expat. Um, but in Bristol, I've I've met one other Irish person, mm. uh, which I find baffling, because apparently they're everywhere here.
2: Definitely in Berlin, expat is, like, the narrative. Um, everybody calls themselves expat. And I'm in, like, expat groups on Facebook. Um, yeah, people refer to themselves as an expat. And, like, I always want to refer to myself as an immigrant because, like, obviously it's racialized that we call white people expats, but it almost feels like it's so deliberate and intentional that it feels uncomfortable. Like it's like, I'm, and I'm like, I'm an immigrant as if I'm trying to like, um, you know, it's like trying to dropping in, I, woke language no into a conversation. I can find it sometimes really obvious.
0: Mm, yeah. Sorry. No, go for it.
2: Uh, just like I can, sometimes I think like dropping that sort of woke language into a conversation can just seem very performative and obvious. Because when everyone else is referring to themselves as an expat and I'm just like immigrant, I think it can be really weird. But I also hate using the word expat. It's lame and it's like weirdly like racialized. So, um, yeah, I think weirdly weird I'm,
1: I'm I'm weirdly referred to a lot as an immigrant here. Like in part because okay. it's a joker on the Brexit thing because it's like, oh, well, these mm. fucking immigrants coming in and taking our jobs. Mm-hmm. But it does also mean that it is just how I'm referred to here. So when you described it as woke language, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't... Uh, it's definitely not taken as woke language here. It's taken as yeah, like a yeah. oh god, our country has become incredibly bigoted. <laughs> yeah. Like that's more yeah. what this word kind of means here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, I know what like
0: Helen is referring to though. It's kind of like to it, to, to kind of like say, of course, like you're all technically immigrants if you're like you're in England from from a different, or you're in Britain from a different. A different nation but mm. like the, it is a kind of a flattening word to say immigrants when you're just like here listen we're just we're all immigrants here and i was like well there's a big difference between like an irish person and somebody who's like he's like moving to that country from like hong kong like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. like a big difference in how those people are treated those two mm-hmm. different entities those like legal descriptions are kind of like they're kind of like vague there's like a difference in those types of the the immigrant experience that those two individuals have
2: yeah i think that's how it feels is that like as much as i might refer to myself as an immigrant i know that all those other people still see me as an expat like i'm not gonna have like no one is going to accuse me of stealing the jobs of people because i'm an immigrant here you know Mm -hmm. so it's like calling myself that sort of seems like um trying to reclaim language or whatever that wasn't you know that's never going to be used to attack me kind of or something like that um
0: have you ever been attacked with any kind of like fuck you immigrant, uh Heather?
1: I <laughs> think I think the only thing that's ever that's ever ever happened was I was in um and this is more like Irish English relations, because I guess for people listening, I live in I live in England. Um
0: I would never guess
1: that with your accent. <laughs> I hope that's fucking not Because <laughs> I swear to God, it upsets me so deeply um you try hanging out with English Libras all day okay and then you see what happens to your accent Um, but the only thing that ever has happened was I was in a bar and I think just talking generally about Irish politics and a guy spun around and I I was talking to my dad who'd come over to visit and he was like you better watch your daughter she sounds like a Republican and in my head I was like so what if I am and my father was like no no but I think there is that where uh that, that that was kind of the one instance where it was just sort of like she can be irish but not too irish you know because because here that the whole understanding of uh irish history is incredibly tenuous and it just really extends to the ira were bad and there's no yeah, understanding right. of, of of what triggered it but otherwise i mean yeah i remember coming over here and i remember friends warning me they were like you're going to be treated worse because you're irish and the english hate the irish and then i landed here and i've Literally, you have an Irish accent here, and you 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 get away with more. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I get congratulated for doing nothing. <laughs> like, so, um, and it's the same in in, in interviews. And I, apparently, there is like some data behind that that you know Irish people, uh, kind of abroad, quite often are like one of the highest paid immigrants, essentially in terms of the jobs that they're they're picking up. And it's definitely something I felt here where uh yeah the, the english really 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 like the irish
0: the that yeah. the irish i know i've seen the same statistic the irish are the the best paid um uh of all of the immigrants that have that live in britain um mm. and they occupy um kind of like the 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 highest ratio of what they refer to as skilled or um, professional work so like there's an awful lot of people who are like living over there they're doing a lot of office work um rather than say the like the jobs the manual jobs that like irish immigrants from like the like you know this the, the 60s or the 70s or the 80s and in, in britain used to occupy mm-hmm. Um have you had any have you had any weird experiences due to your um your nationality, Helen?
2: No. Nobody nobody cares, I don't think. Or like nobody even people like I people like don't really have any um prejudices or um associations with Ireland or Irishness, like that that none none that they've ever made clear to me. Um like I guess they really don't know much. Like one of my German friends is like like, the first time I ever met her, she was like, so what's your, like, national dish? Because we were just, like, really trying to make small talk. And I was just <laughs> like, um, maybe, like, stew. And then I explained it to her. And she was like, that sounds horrible. Like, she was just, like, openly baffled. And then later on, I was, like, talking to them, to some other friends. And I was like, well, Irish, like, Irish is a language by itself. And it has its own language. And they were like, what? A language? Like, I just really, like. <laughs> um, but no, I've never felt any, any sort of uh, any badness at all. Um, but I think it's like really interesting what you're saying just there about like Irish immigrants having like the highest paid jobs. And then I was looking at some of the research you did Heather about like um, that now like, so the in like the profile of a contemporary immigrant that the people who leave now tend to have higher levels of education than the people Mm -hmm. who stay. Mm. I think it's so interesting because it is a total flip in the narrative that you leave Ireland um, to in search of a better life or in search of like a better job. Do you know what I mean? And I know that's not the case for everybody. Like, I think it's gonna be hard for us to not make a load of generalizations in this, but like, obviously I'm not, I I don't know anybody's life or anybody's experience. I'm not pretending to, but just like looking at it on a broad way, like it used to be this idea that like you had to leave to get work and send the money back, right? But now it's definitely flipped where it's like, I think in that way it's become quite like individualistic where now you leave to have your own personal experiences um to like uh try and get a better job but like not because you need to obviously if the people who are staying are like have less of an education you know
1: well I, know. I think kind of what it was interestingly pointing to was it was essentially saying that um university educated um irish citizens were overrepresented in people emigrating so it was like 70% were were kind of university educated with an overwhelming amount in their 20s and I think, and there was even, you know, research I found that kind of pointed towards who does it for experience, who does it for traveling, who does it for work mm-hmm, and careers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And while the main motivation is still for careers, there is definitely, you know, it's not as intense as it was before, whereas like you're working to support your family. Mm-hmm. But what it does, I think, point to me is, you know, if, if, if our, em- you know, Irish immigrants are largely, um, you know, I, I, as the kind of study shows that it's, it's, kind of overwhel- overwhelmingly kind of um, well-educated mm-hmm. it kind of points to me towards the fact that these same people understand that Ireland doesn't provide as good opportunities at this point in their life as it would elsewhere which is the it, it, definitely the bracket I was putting you know I put myself in because mm-hmm. before you know when we mentioned this topic I was I kind of wrote a little list about why I emigrated mm-hmm. and I absolutely love Ireland and I um, I'm really proud to be Irish and I love Irish culture and stuff, but I, I did really know that my, my, my options realistically was to work as an, a barmaid for another five years, mm-hmm. uh, despite having oh, why a degree. Didn't you?
0: Why, didn't you? <laughs> why didn't you give that tax money to Ireland?
1: It made my hand sticky. I just got yeah. really sick of it. You know, you, you tried doing vanilla syrup and all these cocktails. You just get sick of sticking <laughs> hands. Um, but yeah, but it's it it's it's interesting. And what what some of the research is now showing as well is that you are there's this you know, before it was the rates of people coming back was incredibly low, and now we are starting mm. to see a lot of Irish people coming back.
2: Yeah. Um
1: and I wonder is that gonna be me in ten years, you know, and maybe mm. when I hit my thirties and maybe when I've established my career and I can come back and I can be more I can fit better into the 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 working Mm-hmm. kind of society mm-hmm. um but yeah when, when I left uni and I was in my early 20s I yeah it, it, the the life in front of me in Ireland as much as there was going to be a lot to love in it there wasn't enough for me so a left. I suppose for you what what was your motivation to leave yourself
2: this is the thing like I Ugh, can't even tell you like as in I just think for my whole life like my parents um also both would have emigrated and they came back to ireland but then like my mom's not irish so she's obviously like living like she's from glasgow (laughs) barely abroad but you know um so i think i always had the idea that i would go and live somewhere else like that was never at all a foreign idea for me but it wasn't ever in pursuit of anything other than just like um having fun like living somewhere else just to see what it was like um like i think i was really like mmm millennial in that way so like i it was never about like trying to build a career or like trying to um like make more money or anything like that which like Mm. obviously that's like largely because of my my background but like um yeah so it was really just about like trying to like have fun and have experiences um which then the coronavirus happened so (laughs) (laughs) but um i do think it's interesting because like obviously i graduated from college in dublin with you guys and like the housing crisis like uh, I remember so I spent like another year in Dublin working and renting Mm. and then I I like as soon as I my job finished in Dublin I left and I like went back home um which I just I just remember being like exhausted after five years of trying to manage the housing crisis Mm. like I just felt like I emotionally cannot do this but I actually kind of regret that now because I really enjoyed living in Dublin and I really like left somewhere that i really liked living in um and i'm sometimes i try and like like uh like go back into like and uh, resonate with the person who i was at the time who like really was couldn't deal with it anymore because now sometimes i'm like you know i could have tried to deal with it Mm -hmm. um it's hard because like i think that like when i came to to berlin first i was very like i left Ireland because of the housing crisis because it's impossible to live there which i think is like still partially true in that like it's so it's upsetting to continue to live in a country that is so unaccommodating to you and where it Mm -hmm. feels like nothing is changing um but also i do think that it was like romantic for me to tie myself into that like christy moore old irish Mm -hmm. immigrant narrative that wasn't real like especially not for me i've like spoken about this before on the show i'm like come from a like bougie background I mean I could have managed absolutely I could have found a way to live in Dublin um and I mean it being overwhelming and it being depressing is still like relevant for all of us and for me but still I wasn't like pushed out of the country the way a lot of other people were but I think for me I really like um the romanticism of that I I like bought into that for for some time which I think that like a lot of people do um yeah, but it's mixed because, like I said, like it is—it's really hard to like stay behind in a country that feels so unaccommodating. But then, obviously, if all of us leave, like nothing's ever going to change.
1: It's—it's mm. it's funny though you, that you say that though about because I do remember, like, uh, I remember describing it to someone saying that as much as I love Dublin, I feel like it doesn't love me back, and I'm being mm. pushed out. Mm-hmm. and about the kind of financial and the housing crisis and I think um because I was looking through your notes and I was like oh this is so interesting I mean the two of us have had really different experiences once mm. we emigrated uh and I think I would now find it really hard to go back because my standard of living is so much higher because I for the amount that I work and the amount that my bills and expenditure is I have I, I no longer like I remember in uni at the end of almost every month I'd be doing a budget and just in tears because mm. i you know I'd be like I'm gonna have to eat dry pasta for the last two days for breakfast lunch and dinner because i can't afford and i know in part that's that's a student lifestyle but mm. i remember realizing i'm not going to be able to live in this city unless i'm doing like 60 70 hours a week mm-hmm. and I, I i was like you know i'll I, I i can't justify that so it's interesting uh you know from the different experiences kind of because i ended up moving to an area that was a bit cheaper i am now kind of uh I've I had a, a different sense to you where if anything it's emboldened just how stressed and sad I was mm-hmm. when it came to the housing crisis when I was in Ireland and mm-hmm. the prospect of facing that again frightens me a lot to the point where I kind of have made this pact in my mind where you're not moving back until you have this salary because you're not going through that stress again so it's mm-hmm. just interesting the difference in kind of how because of our experiences post-moving how that's kind of changed things for both of us which is quite fascinating
2: yeah like i think it also it really depends on like our background um, mm. and like how our experiences we had in college like our class background and how we broke up how we broke up how we grew <laughs> up <laughs> like influenced it um yeah so much yeah
0: like there was like during the recession there was a whole movement like i mean i'm obviously uh i'm father time compared <clears> to <throat> to you uh like i'm i'm a couple of years older than you guys and i remember like i was like 18 when the when the when the crash hit um or in around 18 um and uh i remember there was like a whole movement of people who being just like we're not going we're not going this whole kind of thing and the it's funny as well because during the recession uh, and like going out and partying in dublin it it, there was a sense of reclamation because Mm. people would be going out and living in town again because the price of living in town had like mm. fallen through the like you could live in town in a in a kind of like a very small house for like a grand was sharing with like a, two other people's like so it was like v- way more manageable like mm. and then cultural spaces like as like warehouses began to empty or you know like uh, apartment blocks that or office blocks that were supposed to be accommodating a new kind of like tech firm fell through. So it just became this like shell space where like people would have like, you know, like raves or different like parties or whatever in them. So there was a sense of like kind of the thing that made Ireland more livable because the jobs were hard to come by. And obviously there was like a high unemployment, but like it wasn't impossible. Um, It meant that people then could, you could, um, you could live in the city again, you Mm -hmm. know, and then when you then like obviously when i started back into when i went back to college and i met you guys um this is like this is that was the very like the 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 explicit end to all of that the prices of rent was going up it was still Mm -hmm. it was still kind of like it's nothing like it was now but it still hadn't reached the peak that it was pre-celtic tiger now it's past all of that like it's completely all of the rental market is like it's like at the peak of the celtic tiger the rent was not as expensive as it is now um but like that had that had just started to shift um that type of culture had just started to to kind of like fizzle out when when we were starting college and i we can still remember though going to kind of like you know gigs and like punk gigs and stuff like that and like there was like still kind of like spaces or collective spaces or whatever mm-hmm. that people were still hanging around in but, like, really, that was the kind of, like, last days of Rome, if you like. Like, the, those places are mostly, they, if they're not being actively trying to be sold or redeveloped, they're gone. They just, like, have, like, you know, fizzled out of existence. And it was just, this is previous to corona.
1: I think there's also one really interesting point that we've kind of accidentally touched on without knowing that we have. But, uh, so, from some of the research I was doing as well, it also said that the people who emigrate are overwhelmingly from rural parts of Ireland compared mm. to... You know, being born and bred in Dublin. And I was always thinking about, you know, from my uni course, who left and who. And I say uni because in England, they don't. Yeah. If you say college, I remember I said to someone, I was like, I studied English in college and they looked at me like as if I had like learning difficulties. I just was like, what the fuck? um But they. <laughs> well, they're like, the ones with the
0: learning difficulties. <laughs> yeah. Uni.
1: Yeah, that's it. So when I was in uni. um But I was thinking about the people who'd emigrated and, you know, it's just kind of interesting that the folks who'd left usually were the ones who didn't have housing physically in Dublin Mm. but just yeah the research was pointing towards that overwhelmingly the people who emigrate are from rural Ireland and the diaspora moving isn't just because you know because Ireland isn't Dublin Dublin is one city in it but I guess it's it it also points towards you know a, a huge sway of the rest of Ireland is kind of a lot more deprived in terms of industry mm. and in terms of opportunity. And I think that's what's really sad about it. Cause there's, there's, you know, I would really, really love Ireland, but I think mm. my worry to move back, you know, I would much rather let's say move somewhere like Galway or Cork, but at the same time, I also know, well, that puts a, that mutes your career a little mm, bit, yeah. at least at this mm. point in your, but it is really interesting then that it was kind of, and it still is in our heads at the moment that like at this age to, to, to live and work in Ireland, it's Dublin it's not elsewhere Mm. um which yeah I just thought was an an interesting point really
2: yeah I also think it's like so much easier to love Ireland when you're away from it like Mm -hmm. I think it's so much easier to romanticize um the like you know like the countryside and like the pubs and and like those rural places in Ireland when you're not there and you're not like also seeing that it's Mm -hmm. like a neoliberal nightmare (laughs) Mm. um like obviously the two things are like intrinsically linked like if no one is staying behind like if if none of us are staying behind to try and sort the country out then no wonder it's changing like i saw in your notes there that you said that like the government were um uh, like that, it was useful. Like it's helpful for them if a lot of people emigrate because they don't have to surprise, uh, provide support services for young Huge people, thing. and they don't yeah. have to do the thing that a state is supposed to do, like how we talked about in the last episode. Um, so the it's so they were kind of almost promoting emigration as like a healthy part of Irish life,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: which makes a lot of sense. Um, but I do think there is like a sense of like we should have more of a sense of collectivity where if more of us stay behind in Ireland, then we might be able to like. Mm, get into government or like change policy or do whatever to try to um try to sort the country out and make it more amenable to younger people and just make it less of a hellhole um I mean it's it's a huge thing to ask people to do but also like we as people are so individualistic now that we don't we don't think collectively like I do think that that's a part of it now that people are like I'm gonna go like I'm gonna have my experiences and I'm gonna sort my life out um and I know obviously <laughs> like I'm not telling it's not saying that everyone has to come back and sort everything out but I mean. There is no way it's going to change if we keep leaving, but also it's really hard to stay.
1: <laughs> would, I would counter that big time. And I wouldn't say because it's almost like going, you know, your, your, your country hasn't given you enough to create a fulfilling career in life, but you also then have to, to stay back for the betterment of your overall country. I would counter that and say a really simple way of, of fixing that is if, the, you know, the Irish government allowed um, immigrants to vote. You know, They the, the, why would w- they
0: ever do that? Like, but, but this a, is what I mean. It,
1: it, it's like, why? Why should the why should the ownership and and you know come down to the person that already was you know kind of facing, you know exorbitant rent prices, like you know kind of a, a cap on on what they can do developmentally, and then they have to stay back when it's like the issue on this is is is, is a large part that that you know the Irish, once you leave Ireland you can't vote. I mean. Well, there's talk now of
0: trying to bring in the vote for uh, the the office that has absolutely no consequence whatsoever. And and that to me is like a fucking joke. Yeah. Oh, thank God. And that's not to, and that's not to say that like people who leave are all leftists or even liberals as well. There is like plenty of conservatives yeah. who are, who are kind of like you know tracing that same kind of like career development that like yeah, Heather was course. speaking about. But like, I mean, I think that I think to your point, uh, Helen, like, I mean there is like a national project in Ireland that could move the country significantly to the left of, of, of even uh, you know Britain. And I think that that's like a worthy cause. I think that somebody, I think that like it's worth like thinking about. But I wanted to talk really more about kind of like how people's national identity, as you were talking about Helen, how it's kind of like you know you have these like romantic inclinations about like kind of like roast into glasses about like Ireland or whatever.
1: Yeah. The funny thing about that actually is specifically when you talk about you know um kind of the the, the mediation of our of, of what an Irish person is, it's particularly yeah. strong on Irish people and so I mean mm-hmm. the biggest <laughs> <laughs> the biggest example of this was my boyfriend's parents, who I've met and they're lovely and they're really, really sweet. When I, I think it was the first time I was at their house and they basically were like, we have this film. We have to show you this film, oh, it's, no. your, it's your life story. And I was like, oh my God, okay. Like, you know, uh, I haven't been told this before. Um, and so they sent me down. I'm prepared to watch what apparently is supposed to be my my life.
0: Heather, was it was it was it Pulp Fiction? <laughs>
1: <laughs> close, close, Glenn. Um, so I sit down, the credits are rolling, I see Saoirse Ronan, I'm like, okay, lovely Brooklyn, bones, and it's Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's and <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's Brooklyn, and it's basically like. I don't know if you've seen Brooklyn but it is like the colors the colors are like um it's the same colors that Tim Burton would have used in like um what's that fucking film Edward Scissorhands it's like shock primary colors and Mm. uh it's about her like her traveling away and she's coming from this really parochial small town with like religious conservatism and she finds herself in this big new city and it's this timid Irish girl who blossoms and becomes bigger and then she she has a handsome Irish beau back home, but she falls in love with a a, a, a foreign man. Like it's yeah. just, and I was watching it, and like every time I see them, they bring it up, and they're just like, you. It's just so like that, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, my boyfriend's that that American <laughs> Italian that she falls in love with at the end. <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah, him. yeah yeah and i'm like yeah and donald gleason back home yeah he's my ex yeah no it didn't work out because there was a, a religious woman on the street but that is like that is the, the general you know and i get people who kind of uh i i mean it sometimes the questions i get asked are really surreal just because people do think of me as some kind of like myth mm. like i'm like i'm a, a mm. like a fantastical uh creature that has all these like wizened tails and like you know my closer friends obviously don't but strangers are usually kind of um yeah they just go this is the traveling irish girl and you know generally a lot of the times there is actually this perception that we are still riding around on cattle and yeah. that's our general mode of, of transport and that you know we're, we're all educated under hawthorn bushes and like
0: yeah. uh, which in my case is quite true yeah. Yeah. I am, I'm, I am from Tala. Uh, yeah. this, is a, this is a reality that we have. Uh.
1: <laughs> but it is. I mean, I've had it in um, in employment a lot and stuff. And uh, I guess because I have, I, I guess, kind of in, in particular in England, what I've found more in terms of the unity with other Irish people, uh, it has been more a sense of like we all secretly nudge each other and go, but we all really hate England, don't we? Haha. <laughs> and that's the, the general building of our identity abroad but um yeah i just think i, yeah. I agree with you but i just I, I think interesting. it's not just like brought from the irish immigrant but it's yeah, also everybody wants to you them. to
0: yeah exactly so like yeah. the, the 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 people who the like nationals who you're meeting want yeah. you to play into this like into this whole per- they want you to play this character but yeah. in turn then like the diaspora at large are internalizing this kind of like desire or want yeah. and then they're performing it for people
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean i i do think it's kind of funny the amount of republicans in london <laughs> like, i'm just like if you were such a republican why are you why are you over there <laughs> it's so bad and i know i've seen all the responses and again people have individual lives i get that i'm not trying to come for anybody but i just think it's well
0: it's bad. also as well it's accessible. like because there's a whole industry behind it and like you can see an awful lot of like the irish republican perspectives and like kind of like uh, and slogans and kind of iconography being used and then sold back to, to people who are living in Ireland from, like, Republicans who are who are working abroad. Like, I mean, I don't really give a fuck, like, where people live, really. in ter- Like, I mean, obviously, I was, like, what I was speaking about in terms of, like, I think that there's an opportunity in Ireland to create something that, like, hasn't been seen before in the history of the state, and I think that, like, there's, like, something to there's something to be gained by, like, you know, working on that project in Ireland. But, like, that's not to say that people should Should come home obviously like people have their own individual lives but i'm more kind of like i guess not concerned i think concerned is the wrong word but like i'm i'm more entertained by like this kind of like use of nostalgia to kind of like larp um and feel connected to something i think that people who are immigrating now feel obviously that that longing and that pang to be home or whatever, but they're trying to connect to somebody else's experience that doesn't exist anymore. And I see this also with gays, and I use gays deliberately, who, um, you know, there's a similar trend, whereas like gay culture has become so much more accepted and sexuality, you know, less of a barrier to people's personal and professional lives. Gay culture has been kind of slightly muted by that. So there's um and I'm gonna probably reddrive for that, but fuck it, but like, I mean that's because like identity requires difference, and if that difference is deemphasized you know through assimilating practices, then what often occurs is this kind of like you know the larping nostalgia where we have like young gays becoming completely intoxicated in like queer culture from the eighties and nineties, mm. you know, but this like that carries a risk because you're you're doing a sort of like editing of trauma and aestheticizing it. Um, to kind of give your kind of like your identity meaning, and suddenly there's a whole history that's flattened and turned into merch that you can reference and buy online. and I think that that's kind of happening now with the kind of the Irish diaspora is they're engaging in the same types of practices like more more importantly and fascinating, merch off the merching of Irish identity abroad is so fascinating to me. and again, it's being sold to people who are living in Ireland. Um, as well as people who are trying to like, you know, connect to a kind of like a homesickness.
1: In a weird way, mm-hmm. I I wonder, uh, and, and so for example, in terms of the, I, I do think it's a really, really interesting point, but I was wondering where did this start? And I, uh, so I, I mean, I've, I've eaten potato crisps before and I've had Cadbury chocolate bars, but it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I was like, you know, how am I going to live in a different country and not have access to those? But then I've been seeing Mm -hmm. for, like, over a decade now, people sending these care packages. So you're fucking starving Mm -hmm. in, like, Sydney or something. And you open the box and it's, like, you know, got Mr. Tato in the front of it. And it's, like, oh, it feels like home again. It's, like, I really feel like that's kind of where the whole merch-off of Irish Identity began, by being, like don't have the crisps this is you know if you're eating tato crisps you're yeah. still irish it's like jesus lads yeah. like and also have to just talk for,
0: can <laughs> we just talk for a second as well tato is the substandard crisp okay so <laughs> stop fucking stop saying tato is a good crisp it's not a good crisp king is the king of crisps and uh, uh, yeah you're hearing a republican podcast say that but like i fucking think king crisp <laughs> is the superior crisp stop saying that tato is a good crisp it's shitty it's oily it's thin it's disgusting. It's barely even seasoned anymore.
1: I have some awful bad news for you, and I I'm going to cancel you, Glenn. I'm going to fucking okay. cancel you. Consider me cancelled. Apparently, uh, King and Tato Crisp are the same crisp, and they're owned by the same company, yeah. and they're packaged into different packets, and you, myself, no,
2: no, no. off. You no. Got off. You
1: no! No! You just merged off. No, no, they're totally it's gre- different. It's greasy, it's thin, blah, blah, blah. Oh, fuck you. Hold on, hold by on. By the Irish merch machine.
0: King Crisp, King Chris, King Chris Arland, don't do this, I'm going to research this right now Oh my god, it's a potato
1: podcast c- career is over Oh my baby. god, it
0: is, it's the same, it's the same Crisp Oh no, hold on, hold on So it's the same, it's owned by the same umbrella company, they bought them out King Chris started its production in 1963, Girls, in Parnell Street in Dublin And? Yeah, romantic. okay okay but it is owned but there's a there's basically T- tato is a conglomerate and they own hunky dory perry skips oh my god
1: skips mm, my favorite
0: yeah but you don't say S- skips and tato are the same crisp i don't give a fuck about who they're yeah. owned by i'm just saying that like there's a different there's a different quality there
1: is it. there is hearsay you know people talk about Chulainn. you know being the greatest irish myth the greatest irish myth is that tato crisps <laughs> are king crisps
0: and you know what deal with the deal with the tagline under king crisps that people often miss is but it's like it's a truism it says king simply superior (laughs) um so yeah (laughs) just to get back on track yeah there is a kind of a thing where people are trying like i mean my brothers my brother my brothers are in north america and they get the whole fucking they get a whole uh you know these kind of like Obscene care packages just with the shittest food that you can ever Mm. imagine that you can only buy in Ireland. And yeah, it is very centered around food a lot of the time and sport.
1: But it's just this strange idea that, I don't know, you've moved to a different country, maybe try their food. Like, I know chocolate's nice, but there's lots of other different kinds of chocolate. There's just this really weird, intense emotional connection to it that if my mother sent me a care package, I'd be like, I'm, I'm a grown woman and I. I, I, I can buy food. I'm, I'm all right. Like, do you know? Well, like, like, most, I...
0: most supermarkets in, in England now have, have like an Irish section that you can buy Tato in anyways, don't they?
1: Uh, you can't get Tato here or King, but you can get Cadbury bars. Oh, well, of but course, I Cadbury's another... an English...
0: You know Cadbury's an English brand, right?
1: It is, but in Ireland, you have so much more ranges, and I know this because... They don't then do you, like, brought... I don't
0: But it comes from there.
1: But they, the range isn't nearly as much. Do and so basically, in the England. way I found this out was that when i brought my british for my sins boyfriend over to ireland <laughs> my yeah. irish friends were then so intent on him on showing him the world of irish chocolate and just fed fed him different kinds of cadbury chocolate for the whole weekend oh, um yeah. and what, not wanting to we offend want our to irish. bastards yeah but i mean not wanting to offend our hallowed culture he ate it all but i mean was, i had no idea why he was being made <laughs> to eat like different kinds of one chocolate bar all weekend but
0: yeah, so I think Cadbury's a shit ever since it got bought off by crafts, and anybody who says anything else is a pedophile. Oh <laughs> um, like can we talk a little bit about merch though? Like, I mean, how is merch articulated then when you like you know bump into Irish diaspora in Berlin? Because see, Berlin has this whole thing which is very political in my mind people who move to berlin are not the same people who moved to sydney and they're not the same people who moved to london and there is like a there's a signif- there's a material difference that you ar- articulate so well helen by being a leftist in berlin
2: thanks well yeah i mean i think it's really interesting because I mean, I moved to Berlin like for a number of like I chose Berlin for a number of reasons, but one of them is because it's this left-wing city and a lot of people choose it for that reason. But now I'm here, I'm like, that was so ridiculous because like I can't even vote here. <laughs> I can't speak German. I can't engage with any of their politics. And yeah, I could okay. So to be fair, I do like volunteering and I could do more grassroots activism stuff if um if there wasn't a coronavirus mm. um reaping the world. Um but also the language barrier is still a thing. So uh like now I'm just here being like that was foolish like there, like okay like obviously travel um is like good for like expanding your mind or whatever and uh, seeing different perspectives and like obviously if you look at like a lot of like famous like political people they have like traveled and seen things in different countries so obviously that's important um but I do think there's an idea of like this international um leftism that in a way I think it's like slightly fictitious when you're just traveling within Europe Mm -hmm. to like from one like neoliberal capitalist government to the next and just like (laughs) speaking to other, uh, speaking to other English speakers and then like sometimes going to an anarchist protest and like wearing black. Like it's very, like I have, like I have seen some interesting anarchist stuff. Um, but I've also just seen a lot of like, I think a lot of it is like quite aesthetic based and quite performative. Mm -hmm. Um, like not a lot of it is actually about like, uh, affecting material conditions, I think. Um, I mean, like, can you vote in England, Heather? Yeah, yeah, I voted. Yeah. uh, Oh, it was a
1: vote to do with Brexit, and I voted and then spent the whole day crying when it didn't work. So even though I voted, (sighs) it still feels as painful as it did back home. So...
2: (laughs) but like how long do you have to be there or whatever like, not long at all I mean getting like... settled here and I,
1: I I'm really really aware of the fact that again because I'm Irish it's a lot easier so things like getting a national insurance yeah. number they say it could take up to three months for me it was like five weeks um getting set up here was incredibly easy um mm. yeah I, I don't even think there's much of a limit on on how long you have to be here until you vote I think I voted in my first year
2: um so that's not like a citizenship thing or no god no
1: i mean the one particular thing with and that's why i mean in the same research the country that's the most popular for irish immigrants is england um but i think another reason is is because it precedes the eu relationship so even in terms of brexit i'm not Mm, going to be impacted and i'm kind of as an irish person you're seen as already having settled status Mm. once you're living in england if you're not on a holiday and you're just living here that's it you're settled so i mean if you were to move here um hint hint uh It 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 would be yeah instant really
2: yeah so yeah it's a pretty different situation Mm. um I mean I think like the merching in Ireland I haven't I mean like I don't hang out with any Irish people in Berlin sorry in Berlin I don't hang out with any Irish people
0: so do you speak German over there Helen
2: no like I speak like a like I could order things in the shop in German or I could speak to someone who came to fix something in the house which happens often um. Oh, I could have, yeah, I could have a short conversation with people, but socially, I couldn't really make friends with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big thing. I mean, I always feel like when I hang out with my, like my friends, like some of my friends prefer to speak English anyway, because like German isn't their native language anyway. So they're happy to speak English with me, even though English isn't their native language either. And then my German friends are all fairly happy to just speak English and pra- like they don't mind speaking English. Um, but then sometimes when I hang out with like I have one good, I have one friend. <laughs> I have one good German friend and then sometimes she brings me to hang out with her other German friends who are all her age. Yeah. And then all of them have to speak English just because I'm there. Like you just feel like such a burden and they don't they don't make you feel that way. But you just know like the how how infuriating that is. So I did underestimate how much of a barrier it would be in just like like because it's not like i'm still able to make friends i'm able to work I, i'm able to do all those things mm-hmm. but it's just like in terms of settling i i'm afraid like i don't want to go to activist meetings and be like i can't speak english like my union is german and i i get all their publications i'm just like can't read it you know yeah. like and then socially i just feel like a bit of a dick i mean that way i should just go to more expat things because <laughs> they'll just speak english and it will be easier i just always feel really uncomfortable with them but also there's been corona like i've literally been corona pretty much since I got here so that has like impacted my whole experience
0: <laughs> so when um, did you arrive and when when the corona starts?
2: I arrived in properly in November mm. after your wedding and I hadn't like no job and I like I we had like no money I couldn't do anything it was really really depressing it was winter and I literally like I was like probably more unhappy then than I am now like I felt more caged in then than I do now um which is so bizarre and Uh, Then January Me and Circus started getting work And things started to get easier January, February, and then March
0: Oh my god, what a fucking What a hell fucking experience And and Heather You've been there for what, two years now, three years?
1: No, I'm coming up To my It's going to be my three year anniversary In two days Mm.
2: Yeah, That's cute What are you
0: doing? Eating soup? Are you having a soup party? (laughs) (laughs)
1: um god i'm probably doing nothing um but yeah it's been three years which is crazy and i think as i mean instantly on the dublin point like i remember had an amazing time but i remember i did i never settled there in the same way i did here yeah um Mm. and it's not down to like the necessarily the culture but literally just how much more calm i am when i'm not worried about the roof over (laughs) my head but yeah i've been here for three years and i've i've got a really good network but I do I've had buds as well that have moved over to Germany and the exact same thing as you Belle they just found it incredibly isolating and lonely because the language barrier is a huge thing was the difference is I came here no language barrier from the get-go you 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 kind of underestimate how much of like how important it is for social cohesion just and because they always say moving countries really hard I remember for the first four months of moving to England even though I was having a good time I was so terrified of of what it was all going to be that i'd come home to my room and i'd just be crying because i'd be like what have Mm -hmm. i done like i'm completely on my own like Mm -hmm. you know i'm stuck here yada yada uh it's really hard moving but i can't i i can't imagine moving and not having the language it's brave that you did it
2: yeah it's tough like i um i think berlin is like such a great city i really like it and i'm really happy that i've lived here Mm. um but i yeah it's really, it's just like, I mean, I think you also kind of have to like hustle, like, especially like people come over and they don't speak the language and they don't get the health insurance and they're like hustling. And I'm just like, not really me. It <laughs> yeah. wouldn't really be me. And then also it's just like, that's not settling and it's not yeah it's it's very much like um kind of an in-betweeny kind of life do you know what i mean like in between the stages or like a little bit in between like what you're doing i mean i don't know i'm just speaking for myself and from like observing people like like i said i have like four friends so um i don't know much about what people do be thinking but yeah i think like it's hard to it's really hard to like settle properly um I guess, yeah. but and then obviously all that just adds to the romanticizing of Ireland as well.
1: Anyway, on. One thing, Glenn, I guess, because, you know, you know, Helen and I both took the plunge and, and emigrated. Did it ever cross your mind or was it ever something you seriously considered?
0: No, never. Actually, I mm. think during when the recession first started, everybody like ran to Australia. Like that was, And also that was more like, that was more like, like that was more kind of representative of the class there was a class difference like i mean the re the like the middle class people were like going to london and the like the working class people were going to canada or australia because that's where the labor jobs were you know what i mean so like when i was younger so when i'm when i was just a lad when i was uh when i was younger and like the recession hit and like I was still so young, so I was just like, "Well, I don't want to." Like, I was eighteen, but like my friends, my friends had left and would leave, at, like around twenty. A lot of them went to Australia, like that was that's that's where they went. And they and some of them have come back. What um, my very best friend is, um, is in like Germany. Like she met a German lad and then she settled in Germany. She she didn't come home. So there was like mm. there was always like immigration or there was always emigration happening around me. But it was not something that I ever really gave serious thought i think at one point i was considering it to go away to australia as like a travel thing like go away for a year but it was never like and now i'm going to immigrate like i never felt like i never felt like okay and now i'm going to move like i'm not going to i'm not i never felt like i was going to like go there seriously even though like nearly all of my friends went to australia at one point like nearly all of them were gone Mm. so it was for me it was like more about for me it was always just like just like trying to get through the next year do you know what I mean I was I never had enough money to emigrate I never was able to and that's not me being like you know fucking poor little matchstick girl or whatever but it was just like the I, I spent nearly all of my money I never saved any of the money so I never had that money to save up to get like even a visa So it wouldn't have been even, it wouldn't have even occurred to me. So then, people who I know then who went to like London or whatever, they were had all of it planned. Like they would like finish up at Masters and then they'd go to London and get a job in like the tech industry or whatever. You know, so it was like, it made more sense for them to do that. Whereas like anybody who was going to Australia was only saving up for a visa and then they were going over there and then they were working in retail over there, or they were working in like the the construction industry or they were, they were like working in like farm work or whatever. So they were basically just like having a prolonged holiday. You know, it never felt like they were living there for good. I don't think any of them stayed there by the way, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I never really, I never really, never really wanted to go, especially when the recession and then the whole, we're not leaving movement. Like that was, that really. There was like a, an intrinsic understanding to me that like kind of like the liberalisation um, of kind of like how Ireland perceived like gay people or whatever happens because of the Celtic Tiger because people didn't um, emigrate, you know what I mean? So for me, it felt like these people, these fuckers, are trying to push me out again. Like me as an inheritor of those types of like of like of all of all gay history, uh, these fuckers are trying to like push me out again. I'm not going to leave. And again, it kind of Dublin started to become a lot more livable then and there was real there was real shit happening like there was like it was like fun and people were like doing interesting stuff so kind of like that to me felt like felt like a reason to stay and also i kind of like dublin like on bank holidays you know this whole feeling like where people have all gone away and you feel like you kind of have dublin to yourself that was kind of the way it was during the recession in a, a couple of different ways in terms of like people were co- you were constantly having leaving dues for people and you did kind of feel like okay i need to kind of like go, get out there and like meet people and like kind of like find friend groups and stuff like that and that's like what happened for us um and we kind of like we found, like, this whole different, like, kind of, like, network of different friends. And we would, like, meet, like, loads of different people in a way that wasn't possible before. And it wouldn't have actually been possible if we went away to Australia, I think. Because I would hear a lot of stories about people who were moving away to Australia to, like, you know, escaping the recession, running away from the recession. And they would just be, like, in the friend group that they would be in Tala. You know what I mean? Like, it was the same <laughs> the same group of people. So it was like they were just all going to, like, Fort Infantura or something like that. But, like, working there. Do you know? hmm Yeah. So that's why I didn't immigrate, and that's why I won't immigrate. I kind of have a kind of... I think that there's, like, there's a lot of possibility on the horizon for Ireland. That's why I don't want to leave. That's why I won't leave now. Um, but I can understand, obviously, why people have left, but I just never really felt like it was for me. I never really felt that I wanted to. I really like Dublin um and like for me i identify so much with what you said heather like dublin is just like such a, like it's like a jilted lover you know it's like like it's like such a like it's so hard to live in dublin um the fucking rent is is insane and like it's so dirty and fucking shitty sometimes and it's constantly gray and people spend most of their times like commuting to and from work but I still kind of love it. Like I have so many like Mm. memories and like fondness attached to places in Dublin, and I still think that there's a lot of possibility for the city as well. I think there's a lot of there's lots of fucking cool stuff starting to trickle back.
1: I uh, it Mm -hmm. does. I saw like um I basically saw a, a yet another trailer for a film that was just talking about how hard life is in New York. And I was kind of laughing out loud when I saw it. And I was like, this is just a film for New Yorkers. But Dublin does have that same mentality where it's, you know, the, there's a the whole thing where like, mm, you know, I've been living true. in New York for fucking 25 years. And, you know, in it, the it's, 1940s. It's just, yeah, and it's just, you know, they're just like, you know, it's it's tough here, but you do it because you love it. There's no place like New York. And I think Dublin's a bit like that, where it's just like, you know, what's that meme where it's like, I like the misery, you know, or like yeah. that Mrs. Dawson <laughs> where it's like, you know, I, I, Maybe yeah, I, I like the, the
0: misery. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It just it is like that. And I do. Um, I remember talking about it with a friend of mine, and it was kind of like that. It just sort of we both kind of were saying we did kind of like that. It was gritty and edgy and difficult. But mm. I just I I I got tired. But was, um, was that your friend Liam accent, by the way? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <thinking> yeah. That. <laughs> Have you
1: guys
2: watched that? Yeah. No. I like
0: it. yeah good. i like it i i have like reservations about fran Leibowitz. i i don't like yeah. there's a whole cultural industry like again that's just like basically like kind of like this the whole misanthropic um kind of like writer and like yeah. things used to be better back in my like that type of stuff like i think that that's like yeah i think that, that i don't think that that fran libowitz Le- actually engages a lot a lot on that but she does kind of see herself like you know as better in a lot of ways and it kind of like kind of comes out of every other syllable that she says but um like i do recognize game like i think that like there's a there's a there's a kind of like a freeze on that passes over her face every time she knows she's holding court and she's telling a good story like all of those stories have been like carefully honed to be like to Mm -hmm. be like the best story that they can like you know possibly be so i do kind of i did like in that respect but i did kind of recognize as well from what you're saying like she that whole kind of like you know like new york is shit like and you can just leave but like dublin is shit for many different reasons but like there's lots of different types of shit in Dublin you know and you have to kind what of be what flavor of
1: shit do you want
0: well like, I mean exactly but it's kind of like for me it's like a collection of different towns like there's not there's like like I mean I was talking to I was like talking to like uh Jer about this and he was just like there's people who are like born in Bali Firm, and like I mean they they won't go into town and not because they don't want to go into town or they can't go a- or access town. It's just like they will spend most of the time in like Ballyfermot because they've got everything they need there. You know what I mean? So but I guess
1: one like, thing mm, that we've done again like let's not forget Ireland isn't Dublin.
0: Yeah, just well, like that, most know. of the poorest most yeah, most of the poorest places in in Ireland isn't Dublin. I don't think it's some sort of citadel. You know what I mean? Mm. Like where, you know, and I know that you have like a thing like, well, there's lots of like, you know, industrial opportunity in Ireland. And I think that that's obviously true, depending on what type of what part of Dublin that you that you're talking about. I'm not mistaking Dublin with the rest of Ireland.
1: Yeah, it is just interesting, as you've kind of discussed, that the, the narrative of what it is to be an immigrant has changed over the years. You know, we've gone from, as we said, this kind of mythic figure that's heading off to to send back coins to their family to now you know, by and large, working professionals who are even debating on on whether to come back at all. Um, but yeah, I think probably one thing that I was really fascinated about before starting this was how different our opinions were going to be. And that has kind of played through. And I think this is by and large to how different all of our experiences has has been. Yeah. But I think the one thing that we can definitely say is that this is just a unifying part of Irish society. And it always has been and it always will be a sense of you know emigration will always be a part of the fabric of society um, mm. even if you know tato crisps and, and king are owned by the same <laughs> company um so so yeah i guess just thanks to everyone for for listening um even if you're a libra we'll, we'll we'll take you as well um and yeah i've been your your co-host heather uh this is my first closing am i doing well <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um yeah and my my co-host glenn and helen and um yeah bye bye
0: Bye. great well done that was really nice i liked that yeah
2: it's good oh that was fun